Welcome back to the Euctropolis Podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. As always, in this episode, I'm taking student questions from euctropolis.com, and these episodes are recorded live. If you want to join the next live taping, go to euctropolis.com slash podcast. you get a link to join the taping. In this episode, we're going to look at some of the finer points of flat picking on the ukulele. Yes, you're allowed to use a pick on an ukulele. This is one of the things that people still ask me about. Am I allowed to use a pick on an ukulele? Or is that somehow against the law? Well, not only is it not against the law, it's actually a great idea. It can give you more agility in your melodies and it can open up the wide world of tremolo and the lyricism that comes with it. Thanks again for tuning in and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. This question comes from Marie and Marie is working on um, Bella Boca Poca, <laughs> which is uh, actually a tune that she's learning how to teach as part of the Jehui teacher certification program. So it's using the flat pick and we're starting to edge toward tremolo with students by doing that repeated, that repeated note. That one right there. Students are learning how to play both in a downward direction and an upward direction with the little piece of plastic that we call the flat pick. And that flat pick gives them so much agility uh, that they didn't have before. Because the flat pick sounds pretty much the same on the way down as it does on the way up. And for years and years, the flat pick has been used by, um, especially by Canadian ukulele ensembles like the the Halifax A Group or the Langley Ukulele Ensemble to play these sort of agile melodic passages, but also to play tremolo. So it can, it can be very rhythmic, but it can also be quite lyrical. And Marie is, um, is getting into this, uh, getting into how to teach this technique. And she says, I've always flat picked on my guitar with my pinky finger anchored just below the strings on the actual soundboard. She said, it helps me to find the right string at the right time. Is there anything wrong with doing it this way? She said, I'm much more likely to hit the wrong string without that pinky finger anchor. But perhaps it's just that I'm so used to anchoring with my pinky. So she says, you know, what do you think about anchoring like that? Now, this is really common. Uh, and, and I'm sure some of you listening here today are thinking, yeah, that's, that's what I do too. I use the pinky finger on my plucking hand to touch, touch down on the soundboard. And that helps me to know where I am in space, right? And uh, is there anything wrong with that? Well, um, 
I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here because I know this is a bit of a controversial question for those of us who really like to nerd out on this stuff. I'm going to say there's nothing really wrong with anchoring the pinky if it works for you. And if you've been doing it for like 30 or 40 years, you know, um, I, I'm not sure that I would change it now if it's really working for you. I'm not sure that I would recommend that for a beginner because I do think it, it hinders the, the range of motion a little bit. And it also can dampen the sound slightly because you're pressing onto the soundboard. But here's what I will say. I, I agree with Marie in, in one way, and that's I think everyone anchors in some way. I, I think it's pretty hard to play with the flat pick just like floating in space, not connected to anything at all. But I've always felt that the the forearm touching on the sort of the edge or the, the bout of the ukulele is the anchor that, that I need. Um, a second anchor with the pinky finger is, to me, actually kind of limiting. It, it, it means that I'm touching in two places. The forearm that's, that's draped over the, the side of the ukulele and the pinky finger, I find that that's just like, I feel like I'm anchored in two places, which I don't really need to be. You know, how many anchors does a ship need um, to make sure it doesn't, you know, blow away in the night? Um, One good anchor is probably enough. I do believe there has to be some point of contact other than the pick itself, because that would be just kind of weird. But the forearm touching that bout at least for me, it gives me enough contact to feel secure. Without sort of limiting the range of motion in the way that the pinky anchor can. So if you're teaching this, I recommend uh, encouraging students to drape their arm over the ukulele, feel that edge, that bout of the, of the instrument against their forearm, but keep the fingers tucked away in sort of a, uh, not a fist, just sort of, you know, move them out of the way. Uh, they don't have to be clenched, but um, having the, the, the fingers into the palm. That is, is sort of a, a good default. Now, I will say, I'm kind of dancing around this a little bit because um, when I look at my own playing... And I'm really honest with myself, like, am I doing anything else or am I strictly going by the book? I have to be honest, like, I'm, I'm also, um, I also feel the need, like Marie, to sort of uh, feel where I am in space. And so I will often, not anchor, but I'll often sort of let my pinky finger uh, sort of just touch the, the, um, just graze along. So it's actually, sometimes it's actually slightly scraping. Uh, not with the nail, but like the side of the, uh, uh, of the finger. It's actually sort of rubbing on the, on the soundboard. And you can't see that. It's just one of these like backstage things that's happening because, you know, you can't see behind my uh, hand as I'm playing. But if I'm really honest about what's actually going on back there, that that side of my pinky is kind of, is just touching down enough to sort of feel just a feather touch where that soundboard is. 
I, I'm not sure if I've ever really admitted that in public before. Ooh. Um, but, you know, I'm stopping short of like pressing down and, and staying anchored there. But, you know, to be honest, I'm still touching, uh, almost just like caressing the, um, the soundboard without actually getting locked in one place. So maybe there is, you know, kind of a, a happy medium between what you would say is a, like a textbook, you know, anchorless technique for the flat pick and the other extreme, which is to pin yourself down in one place and potentially um, affect the sound and the range of motion. So that's kind of a, you know, answer that tries to thread the needle. But I wanted to be honest with, uh, with Marie and with you guys about what's actually going on behind the, behind the scenes, uh, at least when I'm flat picking. And, and I'd be really curious to hear about others who uh, have opinions about that. So Marie, thank you for the question. Uh, as much as that might not be a very clear answer, I hope that gives you uh, some insight into what works for me and uh, some ideas to try with your students. Thanks, Marie. Okay. So I'm going to go now to uh, a few questions. Hopefully we have um, a few here in the chat. And I'm just going to randomly go through here and see what I get. Uh, Okay. (laughs) This is where I was asking about, you know, what's next for you and what are you excited about and what are you uh, anxious to get into with your ukulele playing? Johanna says, I'm currently grinding through the jazz course and the ukulele way. I love that. Grinding it through it. Um, That's what it takes. A little bit of ukulele grind. Um, Michael says, I'm enjoying playing melody in the background as the rest of the group strums and chords along. That's cool. So Michael's getting into improvisation and playing solos. Love it. Leslie saying, I'd love to find others to play ensemble pieces with rather than just strum and sing. That is very cool. Um, let's keep looking here. Maybe one more before we uh, before we call it a day. Let's see. Um, Rachel says, I feel like I'm starting from the very beginning. I've played for four years, but my understanding of what makes music music and why things sound the way they do is very kindergarten. Hmm. Well, first of all, thanks for your honesty, Rachel. You know, I think you're saying what a lot of people are thinking, which is, you know, how do I get, how do I get where I want to be? Um, I feel that every day when, when I listen to music that I love, I feel like, how am I going to get there? Do I even belong there? Is there even a path for me? You know, if I'm listening to a, a great songwriter, if I'm listening to uh, Leonard Cohen or John Prine, I think, is there even a path for me to get close to that place? If I'm listening to uh, a great band like uh, like uh, Nowhere, I've been really into lately, this sort of California funk band, just like, these guys are just outrageous. You know, they're so good. Uh or, you know, listen to Oscar Peterson, you think, my goodness, like, are these people from a different planet? You know, am I even living on the same planet as some of these musicians? It's kind of, it's kind of hard to accept, isn't it? Like, that there's a very good chance you'll, you'll never get to where you want to be. And I think that's where, 
we all need to embrace our sort of artist identities and consider ourselves all artists on on the path together. I think artists are all bound together by a common understanding. And what I mean is when I meet an artist, when I meet an artist, I, I sort of look them in the eye and I feel instantly connected to them because of one thing, because I know that they are trying to make something beautiful and mostly failing. That's the commonality that we have. I know that about them. And I feel like we are connected through that experience. If you think of yourself as a student, students are always kind of like, well, what what grade did you get? You know, did you get 90% or 70% or did you get a C or a D? Like students are always kind of comparing themselves to each other and each other to an external sort of metric. How far did I get? How fast did I go? Did I go there faster than you? Did I go further than you? That, to me, has always been a much more difficult place to be and to grow. So if you think of yourself as an artist who's on the path with all the other artists, really struggling in good faith to make something beautiful and mostly failing and realizing that uh, your fellow artists are experiencing that same thing, Somehow you get outside of the system of sort of assessment that we often, most of us at least, grew up in into a sort of a a world of incomparability where everybody's doing their thing and walking their own path. Maybe that sounds kind of unsatisfying if you really like to know where you are and exactly where you're going. But to me, it's, uh, it's more liberating. Might not be as satisfying, because you don't know always where you are exactly, but it's more liberating. And it connects you to other people who are walking the path with you. So that might be an awfully philosophical thing to say, but uh, Rachel, that's, that's how I feel. And I appreciate you sharing how you feel. And I hope that helps a little bit. Thanks for tuning in to the Euctropolis podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. And I'll be back again next week with another episode. Until then, you can always find me over at euketropolis.com, where I'm teaching a wide variety of unique ukulele courses on a wide variety of ukulele topics, from solo ukulele to jazz ukulele to absolute beginner ukulele. We've got a lot of free lessons and a great supportive community for you to join. If you haven't joined already, you're very very welcome to come and check out what is going on over at youtropolis.com. I look forward to seeing you there. Until next time, keep on strumming.